The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Joined by Greg Evans this morning. No Holly Greg as she's cried off sick at the last minute. It's disappointing, but we'll try and stumble through with our um. Yeah, get well soon, Holly. Hope you're hope you're doing hope you're doing good if you're listening. Um and we're missing you, but we're hoping to have you back next week. That was a lovely, lovely message that was, Greg. That was like you were sending her a, a video message as a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sounded like. I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed the first half of the game last night. I didn't enjoy the second half as much, but it was an entertaining evening at Villa Park, wasn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, from, from, from my point of view, sitting watching it in the press box, it, it was exhilarating. I mean, it's very rare that you get to see six goals in a game, uh, five goals in the first half. I was getting a little bit excited on Twitter in the first half, kind of trying to explain to those who weren't there and, and, and weren't watching just how exciting the game was. I mean, it was it was end-to-end. There was so much going on. Um and if, I feel if Villa had gone in at 3-1, which they probably did deserve and, and didn't concede that silly last goal in the second half, they'd have probably gone on and won it. But, um, you know, fair play to Leeds. They showed a lot of resolve and, and got back into it. Yeah, that goal on half-time was critical. Really sloppy goal. I mean, all three goals, I think, from Villa's point of view that they conceded would have been completely avoidable. So from that point of view, it was a disappointing evening. But I just at one point in that first half, I think it was probably after we scored the third goal, I just sat there thinking, we are a good team. We look so good going forward. So many exciting players in in this team now. But unfortunately, last night there was some frailties, and, and and you've touched upon that in your piece this morning, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I think Villa just haven't quite got the balance right there yet at the moment. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to slate them too much because I feel like that there isn't really that much wrong. And 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 look, they've just they've just drawn against a you know, a pretty decent team in Leeds United who, okay, they haven't got enough points on the board as they would have wanted this season, Leeds, but we all know what they can do to, to opponents. Um, and they're a team I, I quite enjoy watching as well with their style. Um, but yeah, Villa are great going forward and just they're just not quite at it defensively at the moment. They seem to be just conceding a few too many goals. Been been a little bit too open, um, and I think it's just a, a work in progress, really. You know, Gerard's trying to get that shape that he wants, um, integrate the, the the new players into the system, and 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 for everybody to learn their jobs within that system. And, and last night, it just felt to me that as good as Coutinho was for that sort of twenty five or twenty minute spell, Louise struggled a little bit reading the danger and and when you're playing against Leeds who play such a fluid front four you can't leave your two centre-backs exposed like that you need somebody in midfield one if not two players to, to come and protect them um, we know that Leeds are very very dangerous and that they sort of own possession down the flanks um, so that just meant that there was even more emphasis on the midfield to protect the, the defenders um, and I feel that's, fair, that's where Villa struggled last night yeah, if you've not read Greg's piece yet and you're not subscribed to The Athletic yet, you can do so at the moment with a 33% discount by heading to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic podcasts, including this one. So all you got to do is head to theathletic.com slash villapod and you will get a third off a subscription. I'm trying to work out where it all went wrong. Because like I said, good response from Villa actually, going 1-0 go, going down. 
I don't want to call him out too much because I hate it when people do it, but I've got to say, I thought Mings was at fault for all three goals last night. Not a great night from him. Actually, looked really good going forward, but but not defensively. I thought he was probably at fault a little bit for the for the first goal, a, a little bit lax, albeit it was a really nice finish from Dan James. But then Villa Villa responded, didn't they? I mean, Leeds, I think Leeds hit the bar at 1-0. Could, could, that could have made it 2-0, and then we would have been in a little bit of trouble. But then there was just this, this blitz, wasn't it, where we looked like we would score every time on the break. And Leeds are an open side. Me and you said before we came on, or you said to me, you know, Leeds are an open side. The players won't get that kind of space in a normal game. It's kind of suited Coutinho and Ramsey and the, the way those two are linking up. Having Coutinho there has almost made Ramsey step up his game even further. And, and at the moment, I said this to someone last night, if I had to pick a player of the season, not just a young player of the season, I think Jacob Ramsey's been Villa's player of the season. He's the joint top goal scorer as well, you know. Yeah, that's a, not with five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd prefer we had a higher top goal scorer than five. Good yeah. in one way, bad in another way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, he, he's having a really good season. He's 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 taking his game to a new level, and I think he's enjoying playing under Steve Gerrard. And he he looks happy now. He looks part of that first team. He, he doesn't look scared to 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 take players on and 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 be you know confident and expressive in his game he's doing what he wants to out on that pitch now and I think that's why we're seeing the best in him um I suppose if we if we break it down and 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 take the positives out of the game and and Villa's attacking play you know for for me it was the Coutinho show for for probably 25 minutes in the first half um it's quite funny wasn't it because Luke Ayling who maybe ended up as the worst player on the pitch and, and certainly should have been booked the amount of times that he um, put bad challenges in. Um, you know, the, the, the referee had a, a very strange game for me. I mean, that's that's another story in its own. But it was really funny because Aileen nutmegged Coutinho in his own box really early on in the game. And for me, I thought that sort of move almost set the tone for the game. I thought, I thought Coutinho kind of thought... I'm going to get this guy back. I'm going to, you know, I'm desperate for revenge. There's no way he's not making me and getting away with it. And I think got the better of him every every single other time. The second goal was a classic example. Coutinho was literally on the on the centre circle spot, um, and he dragged Aileen, a right back, remember, all the way with him. So Aileen was literally on the centre spot with him. Coutinho two touches, one with the right foot rolling his uh, rolling his man. The second one brilliant assist for Jacob Ramsey who comes running onto it and the feeling in Villa Park after that second goal was was just like wow we have got a superstar here now uh, you know I mean because he just scored a brilliant goal that he just scored and 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 the the, the movement the turn the control the, the turn and the assist for the second goal was absolutely world-class I mean you know that is not over-egging it it was it was Lovely to watch it. You know, Stephen Gerrard said beautiful after the game. You could say any word for it. It was just, you know, a genuine delight to watch. Um, and the feeling inside Villa Park was like, wow, we've got, we've, we've got it. We've got such a good team here. We've got so many exciting players going forward. Um, and then Villa went and got a third and you just thought that's game over. But as I said earlier, the, the, the goal just before half time killed them. Yeah, just back to Coutinho. I was obviously on, on that stag do for the Manchester United home game, so I've not seen him play live yet. Today was the first, sorry, last night was the first time I've seen him play live. Just sat there and thought, I cannot believe we've got this guy. It's not like he's at the end of his career and he's finished. You know, he's, 20, he's 29. He's an unbelievable footballer. And the frightening thing is, is that he's not at his optimum fitness yet, so he's not going to be playing at his optimum level. 
Just that turn he did for the second goal. Not many players can have the balance and the poise to do things like that. And just watching him in the flesh, it was actually, I sat there and actually just thought in that first half, he is a privilege to be here watching that guy play for Aston Villa. He is that good. He could, I'm over-egging it a little bit, I think, but you know, really on ability alone, he could become the best player I've ever seen play for Villa. Because he's that good. Yeah, I wrote in my article this morning that, um, that 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 Villa Park are, are witnessing a player that they probably have never seen before in terms of skill. I mean, Jack Grealish had a, a different way of going past opponents, didn't he? Yeah, they're different players. You know, the way they play football is, is totally different. Coutinho on on the turn, he's incredible. I mean, so many times he got the ball with his back to goal. And first he was he was absolutely fucking off Luke Haley and he just couldn't get near him. Lorenti tried to have a little nibble and couldn't get near him. When they doubled up on him, he still found a way to sort of turn and, and, and weave in between the two. There was a lovely moment up in the Holt end um, in the second half, about 55 minutes into the game, where he nutmegged, he nutmegged um, Aileen again, got to the byline, crossed it and Stuart Dallas almost put in his own net. Um, there was just so much excitement from him and... I think, as you say, Dan, when he gets to full fitness, he's going to be even better. There was that little worrying moment, wasn't there, where he tried to bend one in the the sort of top corner, went a little bit wide, and then he was holding his knee for a little bit. Um, Gerard said after the game that he was taken off just purely because he was feeling a little bit of cramp, just a little bit tired, and that the days ahead will be important for him to, to, to get his rest in ahead of the Newcastle game. Let's hope he hasn't picked up an injury and... and um, you know, faces a setback now. You know, we don't know at this stage. I'll try and update as and when we know. Um, but he needs that momentum because if he's in and out of the team, then he's never going to get to that full fitness that we really hope he can at some point. Exceptional signing. And we've said it before without Stephen Gerrard, Villa don't have Philip Coutinho playing for them. It's just unbelievable to watch him. Let's just hear what Stephen Gerrard said after the game. Listen, we, we wanted to take the sting out of the game. It felt like a game of basketball first half. It was end-to-end. It was frantic. It was 100 mile an hour. And we sort of bought into Leeds' style by when we won it back, we wanted to go 100 mile an hour when we needed you know, a few calm heads out there to make more passes, make more possession and take the sting out. So the game looked like our style. Um, it would have been unfair to go in 3-1 up, uh, I believe. So, you know, maybe Leeds deserved to, to pull one back. But that we conceded that a poor time. It would have been nice to have the two-goal advantage. Second half, we we sort of took this thing out of Leeds' style because they were going outside us and putting balls in behind us. They had a lot of movement, a lot of runners in there. Um, so a lot of things we'd done at half-time worked, but um, we, we didn't manage to have the same creativity and the same danger ourselves going forward. So I think it draws a fair result. Um, it was a game for the fans tonight. It certainly wasn't a game for coaches and... Um, I'm sure the players enjoy playing in it, but there's certainly a lot to pick out of it from our point of view. Yeah, I think it was vintage Coutinho tonight, certainly uh, getting back close to where he was uh, many years ago when the world was speaking about him. You know, some of his creativity, uh, two assists, his, his finish tonight, you know, how close he puts it to the post. Um, so a lot to be pleased about in terms of our you know, our forward play and creating and scoring, you know, to, to score three goals, normally you win football matches. So defensively, we've got to improve. Um, but Leeds, listen, Leeds are a really unique team. They've got m- big running power in the team and a lot of good players themselves. So it was a wonderful game, just not for me, because I've got to go and pick a load of bones out of it now. Have, yes, but Jacob Ramsey, he's, a, he's following in your footsteps in some respects. What a talent. He's very calm going. Listen, he, he's not following in, in anyone's footsteps. Jacob Ramsey is Jacob Ramsey and he's going to be a terrific player. Um, 
it won't be too long before um, the whole country uh, are watching him, I'm, I'm sure, because he's in top place. Um, I know the level of, of England players. I've played with some of them. I've watched many of them for many, many years. Jacob Ramsey is right up there, let me tell you. Still love listening to Stephen Gerrard, Greg. Everything he says interests me. Yeah, me too. You know, Dan, actually, I mean, um, us, us journalists on the patch who, who cover the Midlands, we keep saying after every press conference, you know, that was that was a great press conference, wasn't it? It's very rare you say that for managers, but um, he answers your questions. He puts a lot of meat on the bone. He, he gives his opinion. You know, he doesn't talk in cliches. He, he's just gen, genuinely um, quite open and honest, which is which is good fun, really, as, as, a, as a journalist and when you're asking managers questions. Because not only are they providing you with answers that actually make for good reading for, for our articles you do actually learn a bit from him as well so yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying him too yeah and the way he's talked at Ramsey there maybe some managers would try and play it down a little bit but he's done the absolute opposite there hasn't he well look you know he did, he did we had some follow up questions from the um, from, from the written section of, of, of the press conference last night and he, and he kind of said to us look I don't want to create headlines you know, please let please let Jacob sort of be himself and and don't put the pressure on him just yet. You know, I believe he's good enough. With this, Gerard said this. I believe he's, he's he's good enough to to go and potentially play for England in the future. But we don't we don't want to be putting too much pressure on him right now because um, you know he's delivering for Villa and that's the most important thing. Um, but look, I think privately he knows how good he is. He knows the potentials there because he sees him every day in training. I think maybe we didn't know how good he was. Last season, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. Like he's now part of that team. You can see he feels like he belongs. Whereas I never really got that impression from him last season at all. When he was in the team, he, he, I'd say he played it quite safe. But from that first game of the season against Watford, I think you were there, the Watford away game. He came on at half-time and I thought, this guy just looks he looks different physically. And the way he's playing is different and he's just carried it on all season. Yeah, he's just got this confidence now in his game, hasn't he? He, just, he doesn't look overawed by being in the first team. I mean, there was a time where I think some of the play, I think, I think it was John McGinn uh, did an interview and he, and he said, um, he kind of just hinted that, that Jacob Ramsey was one of the quietest players in the dressing room, um, which at the time, you know, he was the youngest, so that kind of does make sense. But I just think he believes in himself a lot more now. He's, he's confident in his, in his own skin around the place. He knows that he's good enough. He knows that he's contributing. Um, and you can see last night with his goals. I mean, the, if you look back to the celebration after the Norwich goal, there was pure joy and ecstasy on his face. You know, genuine delight. He was absolutely loving it. Last night, he enjoyed the goals, of course he did, but he was just taking it in his stride. He was, it was almost as if this is a normal thing now. This is what I do. This is what I do. Yeah. I break from midfield, I latch onto Coutinho's balls and I slot them home. And, and you know, it was brilliant to watch and, and great to see the development and rise of, of, of a young local lad like that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Talked about the good, so let's talk about the bad and the ugly then. The bad, I can say that goal on half time was critical. Really soft goal. Dan, Dan James, <laughs> been disrespectful. The guy shouldn't be winning. He shouldn't be winning headers. Uh, I'm in front of you. If you if you if you're Tyrone Mings, you, you're looking back at that performance, and you know it, it, it's a bad night for him. There's, there's no way he can dress it up nicely. We both support Tyrone Mings, and and I still say he the the good far outweighs the bad, and everyone has a bad game. Um, and last night was just not a good, uh, not a good game for him. He started badly because he gave the ball away quite early on in the game. Um, you know, the, the goal was obviously the first goal was obviously his fault. Gave the ball away, and, and Rodrigo pounced on it um, to set up Dan James, and, and, and then Dan James tucked it away. Lovely. Um, gave away a possession a bit more going forward um, after that. Felt feels like because he's so committed to the cause and so desperate to do well, he gets forward a lot, doesn't he? Have you noticed when when he makes he a mistake, he tries to get forward a lot and, yeah. and I think tries to to make amends. Um I mean, you know, supporters if 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 you can't see the desire and the passion for him to just drive that team forward um and and not appreciate that the effort that he's putting in then you know sometimes you have to take a step back and just just think well this guy's done a lot for this team. I think sometimes he needs to take a step back. I think last night he would have done. He just needs to take stock of what's what's going on and calm down mm. a, a little bit. I think perhaps that would have been the the better thing to do. You, you've raised a good point because it was Fulham last season. He made a mistake. Then he drove forward and put the cross yeah, in for Trezeguet yeah. to score. So he made amends. And you're right. That's exactly what he was trying to do last night. You can have bad games and make mistakes, but you know he's had, he's had a bad game defensively. Been involved in all three goals, really. The third one. Oh, look, I'm, a, I'm not. I'm a, not that's trying. That's a lazy leg. That is just getting. Yeah, of... I'm not trying to dress. No, no, it up no, in no any you're not. I way. know you're not. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm just trying to put a little bit of balance on it. That you know he, he does a lot of good for the team, and last night just wasn't his night. Um, yeah, you know he'll look back at all three goals and think I could have. I could have stopped them. That the second goal probably the most frustrating of them all, purely because he's been out jumped by a player who's, you know, ridiculously smaller than him. Um, the I think third I might be twice the size of Dan Jones. <laughs> I'm only six foot one. The third goal was hard to watch, really, because he just cleared one off the line. Yeah, he just got another good header away from a corner, and then he just couldn't quite clear the ball from 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 that from that from that next set piece. Um, yeah, look, just just a bad night for him, you know. He, the, the, what he'll need to show now is, is a reaction at Newcastle. That will be the test of his resolve and his character now. He needs to go to Newcastle and really put in solid performance because there's no Esri Konza, um and and you know he will need to lead that that defence. Yeah, you presume Chambers will come in on Sunday for his for his first start. Good to see him come on the pitch last night, albeit we would have preferred it in better circumstances after Konza got sent off. Let's talk about Ollie Watkins. Frustrated me last night. At the moment, to me. There's something not right. There's something not clicking. 
I don't really understand where the player from last season is because he's not really been there all season. And I, I don't know whether it's the style of play changing, whether you know we were very defending from the front last season. He was a big, big part of that. That kind of tactic doesn't seem to be there as much under Gerard. But his body language, he just doesn't look happy. I, mean, I was crying out for Danny Ings to come on after an hour because I just think the way we play now at the moment, the players we've got on the pitch... I actually just think it suits Danny Ings more than it suits Ollie Watkins. But Gerard started him every single game, hasn't he? So he obviously likes him, obviously wants him to do well. But there is something not happening at the moment. Yeah, and if you think back to the game where, where Watkins had COVID and you know at Brentford, there was a couple of nice little movements, wasn't there, from, from Mings and Wendy? And, and they, they seemed to link up quite well. Ings obviously got a brilliant goal and then, you know, from from a lovely through ball from Buendia and then there's a couple of good chances that he missed as well. So, for me last night, I totally agree with you. He needed to come on 65, 70, 75 minutes, somewhere around that stage. Gerard said after the game that he was trying to get Ings on at some point. Um, but just never felt like it was right. Never felt like it was the right time. And I think he said when Konza was sent off, I think in the 89th minute, um, that that put an end to to any plans to bring on. But it's for me, it was too anyway, late. Though, it was it? too late. Yeah, yeah, it was too late. Um, when Watkins is having a bad day like that, and I'll be honest, I don't think I've seen him have many days as quiet as he was last night um, in a Villa shirt. It's just a time where you just got to change it, surely. That's why you've got two really good strikers in the squad, because if ever it isn't working, you bring another one on. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see him start against Tottenham, uh, Newcastle on, on the weekend now. I think Newcastle probably is a game that suits Watkins. I just <laughs> felt that game last night was crying out for, for Danny Ings to come on, because I think if he gets a chance in a penalty area, he'll snap it up. That's, that's what Danny Ings has done in the Premier League for years. And yeah, there's, there's something not right with Watkins. I've thought it for a while, body language as well. It's something not good. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I, I haven't noticed anything. I haven't looked any. De- I haven't looked deeper into it. Maybe I should. Maybe I should take some time to to, to see if there is any issues there. Um, you know, I know, I know he's settled in 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 the area. He, you know, he's living in the area now. Um, appears to be happy at Villa, as far as far as I know. Obviously, had a great season last season. Was a little bit disappointed with with the England sort of setback. You know, getting into the England squad and then not fully making it. Um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be desperate to get back in there. Um, I always thought that Ings, Ings and Watkins as a two wasn't quite working. Uh, maybe there was a little bit more to that. You know, maybe it was something to do with one of the individuals. Who, who knows? I'll, I'll do a little bit more looking into that and, and um, see, if, see if I can find anything out. But, uh, yeah, sometimes a striker just needs a goal, doesn't it? Greg, your life's on the line. Who do you think is going to play on Sunday? I think Ings. I think, you know, look, Gerard will look at it and, and think he'll try and freshen it up a little bit. He said he, he said he's got to pick the bones in, in the performance. Um, and that is both in attack and defence. So I think he'll give Ings a go. I think the opposite. I think it'll be Watkins again. So one of us will be right. One of us will be wrong, as usual. <laughs> yeah. Before we speak to Chris Woff, the Newcastle correspondent, and look forward to Sunday's game, just a quick reminder again, that if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, if you head to theathletic.com slash villapod, you'll get a third off a subscription.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We're off to St. James's Park on Sunday, and it's a pleasure to be able to welcome the Athletics' Newcastle correspondent to the show, Chris Woff. How are you? Hello. I suppose you're very, very happy. I can't. You kind of come off, come on many podcasts off the back of a win this season, so you must be quite pleased. Well, it's actually Tuesday was the first time I've seen Newcastle win inside of a full St. James's Park since January 2020 because I I wasn't there for the Burnley game earlier this season, which is the only other home game they've won. So, no, back-to-back wins. The mood is absolutely transformed. There seems to be a bit of energy and a buzz about Newcastle at the moment, which hopefully continues going into Sunday, but it feels very, very strange. I I haven't quite comprehended what's going on at the moment, but, yeah, it's, it's very, very good. And I know every football fan feels like this, but I'm sat here thinking... We could play Newcastle at any point this season and you'd be looking forward to it. Now, all of a sudden, it feels like not the best time to take them on. Without a doubt. I mean, if you'd faced Newcastle, certainly very early parts of the season, but even when, after Eddie Howard taken over, it took him a little bit of time to be able to instill his ideas. But now, he seems to be starting to evolve the style of play that Newcastle are playing. Obviously, they've made January additions, only a couple of whom are actually in the team yet, but everyone seems to have lifted their level. Newcastle... I haven't really lost teams in and around them over the course of the last few months. I haven't won as many games as they like, but they are actually becoming a very difficult team to beat, which certainly early in the season was not the case. So, yeah, I don't think it's the ideal time for Villa to be, to be facing Newcastle, but I think this is a very different test for Newcastle because they're facing Everton team who looked mentally shot on Tuesday. I think they look in big, big trouble. Could be a good game, actually, because Newcastle looked quite good going forwards on Tuesday night and Villa... Look sensational at times going forward as well, so it could end up actually being quite quite an open game. Craig, I feel like Villa never do well at St James's Park, though. No, every time I go there, they seem to struggle. Um, 
I really like going to St James's. I've said this to Chris on so many times because we, we've You've done. You've got some... a night out, I'd up, I reckon. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm too old for that, mate. Um, I say to Chris every time we, we 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 do a podcast together. I do genuinely love going up there. It's just so much good fun because you, you get into the city centre and the stadium's just there. And on a match day, there's a there's a real buzz around the place. And I think the atmosphere is going to be really good as well because of um, Newcastle's winning in midweek. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully Villa can get a result though, because it feels like it's been quite a while since they since they got one up there. Certainly when I got, certainly when I've been to the games anyway. I think they drew one one in the project restart when Al Mohammadi got a got an equaliser, but can't recall many wins up there. The only win I can recall is the Lee Bowie and Kieran Dyer fight game. I genuinely can't I genuinely can't remember another win. I am not even sure there's been one. We an awful record against Newcastle. I mean the producer keeps typing things in the script while I'm talking and he's put here it's ten years this week since Pappy Cisse's debut goal. I think that was McLeish. McLeish ball for Villa at, at that point. Villa lost Villa lost two one. So you're not not a happy hunting ground at all. Matt Target, Chris, obviously he's been loaned out to Newcastle for the rest of the season. I watched you on Tuesday, thought thought he was very good. And from talking to you just before you came on, sounds like exactly what Newcastle needed. He's precisely what Newcastle needed. It was interesting going into the January window because two positions that really didn't seem absolutely essential were the fullback positions. Newcastle have a lot of players who can play those sort of positions, although they haven't got that many out-and-out left-backs. And that sort of came late in the window. Paul Dummett was injured when Newcastle played at Leeds and he's had a lot of injury problems. Jamal Lewis hasn't quite done it for Newcastle and he's had a few injury problems. So... At that point, Eddie Howe decided he wanted a fullback, and they'd sort of made a bit of a a, a bit of an inquiry to Villa as soon as uh, Dinia signed. And at that point, it seemed like it was unlikely something was going to happen. And then late in the window, they went back in, and and, and obviously were able to get Matt Target on loan. And he really did come in and looked very assured. First twenty minutes, Everton tried to put two players on his side because Sam Maximan wasn't tracking back, but he dealt with it. He, he was calm. He didn't do anything flashy. He's just exactly what you need in that sort of position. And you've got Kieran Trippi on the other side who was basically dictating the game for Newcastle. And suddenly, those two positions look transformed to a certain extent. And it could be a big blow for Newcastle on Sunday because obviously Matt Target is, is unavailable to play against his parent club, so he won't be there at left-back. And Kieran Trippi at the very end of the game went off with a slight calf problem, so he's a bit of a doubt. So two positions which they were crucial to Newcastle's win on Tuesday, they could be missing both of them against Villa. Uh, on Sunday and that, and that that may really affect the way that they try to play yeah it feels like only a matter of time to me for Kieran Trippier to take the captain's armband and be, be Newcastle's leader because he's already made a, a huge impact since he joined the club what about Bruno in the in midfield Chris we've got a brief two three minute cameo in there but the Newcastle fans seem very very excited about him will, will he start against Villa I'm not sure that he will start. That, that that was one of the big calls on Tuesday, and we had sort of a debate between a few of the journalists in the press room before the teams were out. And I didn't think that that he would actually start them because the midfield actually has been performing very well in recent weeks, and they were crucial to the win at Leeds. And he didn't he didn't start him in the end, which I think there was a lot of disappointment on social media or people turn up at the ground hoping to see him. But the midfield again performed very well. Newcastle sort of controlled that area. Bruno came on for those sort of five, six minutes at the end and really looked like an exciting cameo. But how after the game was talking about um that he wants to reward players who deserve to be in the team and that new signings, although they're very excited about Bruno and I think he'd bring a lot, the new signings have to earn their place. And he only arrived last Friday actually on Tyneside. How likes to have time for people to develop into the team understand what he wants so I'd be actually surprised if he if he starts on Sunday I think he'll get longer than he did last night I think he might get 20-30 minutes in the end but I think that we're likely to see the same midfield that, that, that started the game on Tuesday 
Yeah, Greg, I remember Chris Wood causing Tyro Mings a lot of problems at Burnley away last season. Obviously, Mings has had an off game on Wednesday night. Concerned that he hasn't scored for Newcastle yet and coming up against him? Yeah, I just feel like there's a bit of there's a bit of pressure on the Villa defence now, isn't there? After after such a dismal display last night, um, there needs to be a reaction. And and if if you're Newcastle, you you you're kind of looking at Ming's poor performance, the fact that Esri Konza won't be there, so it's either Hawes or Chambers um, into central defence, and and you'll probably be looking at that thinking, yeah, we, we you know we can get at them. Um, I haven't seen much of Wood really, you know, in a Newcastle shirt. Whether whether he's whether he's performing well or not. I thought he was quiet on Tuesday. Yeah, I thought when he thought when he arrived that it was a good signing purely because it just weakened one of their relegation rivals. Um, and I think New, I think we've said this on previous pods. Newcastle did some pretty good business because they strengthened um, you know areas that that they needed to and brought in sort of proven Premier League players, which is which is what you need, isn't it, in a relegation battle? You need those tried and trusty performers um, I think I think Mings would would, would half fancy coming up against um, Wood I think he's one of the players that although he's given him a bit of a tough time in previous encounters he's one of the players he probably backs himself to, to come up against if you know what I mean rather than a, a speedy sort of little winger who can nip in and out of him Mings has struggled at St James's before I think I remember uh, during lockdown, not last season, but but the the sort of season before, I think Joe Linton gave him a bit of a torrid time at, at Newcastle, uh, and I, I think he, he tends to. He, I've never really seen Mings perform too well against Newcastle, but Woods an interesting one because since he's come in, he looks very much like the sort of striker that Sean Dyche said he was when he left. That he just looks a bit out of form, a bit short of confidence. His all round play, he brings something to Newcastle, and actually the difference I thought to an extent on Tuesday between Newcastle and Everton was Newcastle had a focal point up front. Everton didn't really, and so things went through Wood. He was he won a few headers in the air. They had someone to play off to create that space in the middle to, to give them a platform. But when it came to that sort of final touch, there was the, was the, the Ryan Fraser shot, which deflected to Chris Wood six yards out, and you thought, this is a chance he's going to gobble up. And it was a sort of tame header. He doesn't look convincing in front of goal at the minute. So that that sort of element of his game, he just needs... In the second half, he, he had a goal disallowed rightly for offside, which basically just hit him. And that's the sort of thing he needs at the minute, that cliched just needs a one to to go in off him because he looks so short of confidence in front of goal but just in terms of having that focal point up front he has been important for Newcastle given Callum Wilson's out for the majority of the season Just before we let you go Chris Newcastle were linked with a lot of Galacticos in the January transfer window but the only club that brought the Galactico in was Aston Villa Football Club Philip Coutinho was in sensational form last night you worried about coming up against him? I am worried. I mean, I've just I've only seen the highlights of the game, but just even seeing the highlights, you sort of it was it, it brings you back to those times at Liverpool where he can just do things on a football pitch that very few players in English football can. And and Newcastle are playing three players in midfield at the minute, so they would like to think that they can stifle that. But he's someone who gets in between the sort of defence and attack. And I do I do fear what what he could potentially bring if the, if the game opens up a little bit. I mean, Coutinho was interesting because obviously Newcastle were heavily linked as well, and he's someone who they like. And I think. It, if it had been the summer window and they'd been more sure of their position, then he may well have been someone they could have gone for. But uh, it's like Usman Dembele. I kept getting phone calls from from journalists in Barcelona telling me Usman Dembele was going to sign for Newcastle. And I was like, Newcastle are not going to sign Usman Dembele this month. They bet they may go down still. They're not going to pay three hundred thousand pound wages. But Newcastle were linked with with everyone. But Coutinho was certainly someone they like a lot. And I think that that, that he Newcastle fans will be excited to see him, but won't want him performing at his best. You're probably getting the same people messaging you that were messaging Greg and myself when we were signing Catena. All kinds of Barcelona people fly into your DMs when there's transfer business to be done. It was really, really strange. Just 
Give us a score prediction then, Chris. I think Newcastle will get at least a point. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. I think it'll be a good game, but I think Villa are a different step up for Newcastle. And I think, and if, if you'd have offered Newcastle four points from these two games, I think a lot of fans would have taken that. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a two, an entertaining 2-2 draw. Always good to chat to you. Thank you very much for coming on. Other news then, Greg. Villa have been doing some business in the youth setup again. Amari Kelman. Derby County, what do you know about him? Yeah, he's a player I can't, I can't say I've watched um, a lot of him. I've, I've tried to speak to people who know about him and they say very attacky, uh, very exciting attacking player. Someone who will come in and, and, and top up the under 23 or, or maybe even under 18 team to start with. Again, you know, it's, it's, a, it's part of Villa's aggressive recruitment drive, spending substantial amounts of, of, of figure, of money on, um, on sixteen-year-olds, it just shows that they're that they're desperate to to become more self-sustainable in the future. And as we're seeing with the likes of Jaden Philogene Bidais, who, who came in at a similar age, you know Cameron Archer, who's been there for for, for quite some time, Keenan Davies, who stretched a little bit further back before than the Chiefs, Warriors, and Wes Eden's era. Um, but we're now seeing players who are going into the Championship. Um, academy graduates who, who are doing it in the championship and becoming very valuable assets to Villa. You know, you're looking at Keenan Davis now, probably if he, if he continues playing the way he does, he, he's a 10 to 12 million pound player, maybe even more. And, and, and then Cameron Archer, the way he's scoring goals, you know, his value is continuing to rise. So that there was, there was a, there was an area, there was a gap in the market Villa felt. That, that they thought they could expose. They thought they could almost become the Chelsea of the Midlands by stacking up their squad with, with lots of players, moving them out on loan, and then either integrating them into the first team or selling them on for a profit. And the way it's working out with Bidace, um, Archer and Davis on loan, uh, and Kessler as well, who's in, playing for MK Dons, he's shown that it's working. It's a great little... It's a great little, uh, it's a great little setup they've got going on. Yeah, I've watched Davis three times for Forest. He looks a real handful. It just suits him down to the ground, playing for Forest, playing under Steve Cooper. He's been really, really effective, which is really great to see. I think they're going up Forest. They, they look to me, they look a really good side. They oh, look great. the side who, uh, I mean, you know, they were bottom of the league under under Chris Hewitt. That they now look like the side with all the momentum. Steve Cooper's clearly a very, very talented manager, um, and they've got three or four real standout players in that team. I think Jed Spence is playing well. Brendan Johnson, exceptional young player. Uh, Kit Keenan Davis, obviously. And um, there's one more player which I've missed, <laughs> but it'll come to me in a minute. But they look like a very good side and, and someone who I'm, who I'm tipping to go up. Connor Sheffield United are making a little run towards the playoffs as well. They, they won again last night. That Sheffield United and Forest are going to be those two teams that just, just come, up, that come up late and make their way into the playoffs. Other news, under-23s are struggling a little bit at the moment and Aston Villa's women team lost 2-1 to West Ham. Alicia Lyman on the score sheet from the penalty spot again. Greg, you've been writing about Basuma, just filling everyone in on what's going on with that. For those that haven't read the article, can you just give me a brief synopsis? Yeah, I think I mentioned last week, you know, in the, in the transfer wrap-up that Villa have been trying to get Basuma for a couple of transfer windows now. Um, Stephen Gerrard confirmed pretty much what we already knew, that, 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 that a bid was lodged with Brighton um, in the last window, but rejected. Uh, we expect we expect Villa to go back in for, or definitely go for a defensive midfielder in the summer. Um, and Bissouma is likely to be one of those top targets. Lovely stuff. 
That does us for this week's iteration of 1874. We'll be back in our usual slot on a Wednesday next week, so do watch out for that. Thanks ever so much to Greg for joining me. Holly Percival, get well soon. And as always, up the villa.